You're listening to the Pop Zara Podcast. Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Pop Zara Podcast. My name is Ev. I am an editor at large at Pop Zara. So, <laughs> uh, and today is going to be a special episode. Nate's not here, so we get to have a little fun. Um, I have a very, very special guest with me today, a, a guest host. Her name is Kat Kim. And you may have heard her. She was on the previous episode of the Popsara podcast. She is the producer and co-writer of Happy Cleaners. Please stream it on Amazon Prime. But uh, welcome to the Popsara podcast, Kat. I'm so happy you're here with me today. Hi, Ev. Hi, everybody at Popsara. I'm so happy to be here again. I really love Popsara, what you guys stand for, and... Uh, who better to talk about K-drama with with another K-drama fanatic? So I am so excited to be here. I'm actually not here as if it's like a job or an interview or like a test that we have to do. I'm so just happy to chat about K-dramas. So yeah, I'm here. Mm. And I love the fact that like, so you were the producer and co-writer of Happy Cleaners. I honestly... What I remember when I first talked to you about this, I cried so many times throughout the entire film oh. because it really hit. It really resonated with me. So can you please tell the listeners what Happy Cleaners is all about? Sure. Happy Cleaners is a very, very wonderful indie film that I produced and co-wrote with uh, two of my other partners, Julian Kim and Peter Lee. Um, it is a very slice of life uh, truthful and honest story, a Korean-American narrative. It's about the Choi family. They've immigrated here from Korea, much like our first-generation parents. And uh, they have their son and daughter, Kenny and um, Kevin and Honey. They're like the second-generation Korean-Americans, like myself. They just navigate through life, and the backdrop of it is they have a store, much like a lot of Korean parents, when they first immigrate here, they have a mom and pop shop. They have a dry cleaners. Their dry cleaners get shut down and they navigate all of the cultural nuances between Korean and American cultures, uh, the expectations that they have for their kids. And we see a lot of issues just come to play throughout the film. And it's just very exciting. And it's just something that I think a lot of people relate to. And that's probably a great wrap-up of what the film is about. Thank you so much. I I think if you're in the mood for something that's very positive, but also just like you get to learn a lot more about yourself, please, please, please go watch Happy Cleaners. And it is on Amazon Prime. So really, you don't have an excuse to not watch it. But and speaking of Koreans, and we're going to be, as Kat mentioned, we are going to be talking about K-dramas today. I know it's really outside the purview of what Popstar Podcast normally talks about, but I wanted to add a little bit of spice in there, just a little bit. Um, but we're going to be yeah. exploring the different aspects of what K-dramas, like what makes it so addicting to watch, what we love and don't love, and even recommending certain K-dramas for the listeners, for you guys to check out. And some of the topics that we'll be going over today are social class obsession, um, glorifying the position of lawyers, doctors, and engineers, which is common in any Asian family. Let's just be real. Um, yeah. And 
Yeah, right. And how can we not talk about K dramas if we don't talk about food? Ah, mm-hmm. oh my god, that's the part I'm very excited about. <laughs> <laughs> and then we'll also talk about mental health and people with disabilities and how it's portrayed in K dramas, and also subverting traditional roles and mostly from the female perspective. So I'm really grateful to have Kat here with me. I mean, she's an expert on this. I personally Ooh. like. I started watching K dramas in like late. 2019 mostly because I was bored with whatever Netflix was offering me and I was just like what what else is out there you know and then oh my I, god I know I'm like a total newbie <laughs> oh wow yeah and so like I first got into it with Hotel de Luna I don't know if you've seen it before have you oh girl you know I have <laughs> yes. that soundtrack everything on that soundtrack is like life Oh, oh my god yes yes and also yeah, I use I outfits do. I use outfits are like oh on point mm. yeah, yeah, yeah 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 for sure I really love that one too mm-hmm. that's a good one <laughs> yeah it was a good one to introduce me into the world of k-dramas I, feel. I would say so yeah yeah <laughs> Can you like? Can you tell me what's one of your ultimate ultimate favorite ones? Like one that you can uh, actually rewatch. Oh, I can. Oh, this is a very tough question because the answer changes all the time. Oh yeah, yeah. And I'm glad you qualified it with rewatch because there's some that just a little too heavy where I'm just like I don't think I can rewatch it all in one sitting. But Reply 1988 hands down, and I rewatched it at least two more times the entire series two more times yeah Mm. yeah so it's a coming of age story of friends that grew up in a small town in korea Mm. and it it shows them navigating through their teenage lives um navigating through heartache together and it's just so comical and it happens in 1988 this is the year of the olympics korean olympics yeah yeah, and even though I was, okay, I'm dating myself here, I was five years old, mm-hmm. I still remember those things about Korea because there was a point where I did live there as a child, so. Oh, that's you know. so incredible. Oh. Yeah, there, that one, I highly recommend it. Like, go watch it now. Okay, that's going to be the yeah. next one that I watch. Because I've been looking through the like recommendations on Netflix and it's just like, mm, that looks meh. It's not, yeah. it's not interesting enough. I need something that has some meat to it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. yeah and so I think sure. like, and I think like, um, just to give some historical context um, and like on K-dramas and in the same element of, I guess you could, equate it to soap operas in a way uh, but 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 yeah. I do have to qualify this but k-dramas are so much more fulfilling and satisfying there's just something more to the story and I know that soap operas started in the U.S. I didn't know this but it started in the late 1940s after the war um, ended and then k-dramas were produced starting in the 1960s and it wasn't until, and they were talking more, it was more, uh, I think it mentioned that it was controlled more or produced more under the military government. And mm-hmm. it didn't really start having like an actual storyline until I think the 90s when it really started gaining more popularity. And especially with um, uh, Hourglass featuring Lee jong <gasps> right? What in your face? <laughs> oh my God. I, okay, here is where I say to everyone listening right now, this is, this is 
this is how you do research. I'm so shocked and impressed, and I admire you that you know, uh, you know that one. That is like the pivotal, iconic one、mm-hmm. for Koreans. It's called Modeshige. Yeah. Whether whenever you hear that piano melody,、mm-hmm. everybody knows what's <laughs> going on. So I'm so surprised that you know that one. That is like the one of Korea. Oh, I mean,、What、okay. First of all, Westerners like well, the West has definitely been sleeping on him because, and、yeah. I, and and not only that, but it's just like you may know him. Oh, we're going to also talk about Squid Game, but you may know him as the main character from Squid Game. However, just because he was so-called "quote unquote" discovered in the West like a year and a half ago, ah,、uh, no, no, no. Dude has been in the biz for quite some time. Like we're talking、yep. from like the eight, late eighties, nineties, and、yep. so the disrespect towards Lee Chung Tae from Western interviewers, I'm just like, mm, oh, oh, yeah, just, oh, I'm just like,、yeah. oh, I'm so angry about that sometimes. <laughs> yeah, it hits different. He started off as like a nineteen-year-old. He was a model.、Um, oh was yeah,、so、there's a I, reason why. Yeah, yeah, I, I still think he's. Very very handsome, but yeah, I I totally understand it when they think that oh he's just like some new guy. No、yeah. no 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 no, he is an icon. He's、yes. an icon. Yes, Korea. They, yes, they just don't know. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, he's been in the biz for what thirty odd years. So、mm, yep. yeah, yeah. You just like,、yeah. do your research. <laughs> right. Right, I totally agree, <laughs> and I think like what was really interesting. But I also have to say that like、um, I don't think we've had much exposure to K dramas until I think it wasn't until 2017 when Netflix started bringing in more content, like more outside content. Thank God. Yeah. But and、um, especially when they were streaming K dramas and other international shows and movies, it helped really. Create a huge spike in popularity, like the global exposure, right? Because right. I I read、right. somewhere that like Netflix opened in Asia in 2015, and they were running into some issues with China, of course, China.、Yeah. <laughs> I'm Chinese, so I'm just like, oh, China. <laughs> like, yeah. They're, so they're still they're still. I mean, they do bring in some Chinese content, but I have to say, it's not as interesting. I feel like I'm betraying my heritage by saying no, that. no, <laughs> but. But it just seems like it's just the storylines aren't as compelling to watch, and I've tried watching、mm. some of them where I'm just like, uh, uh. "Oh wow!" <laughs> I know, I know, it's really crazy, right? I don't、yeah. know. I don't know, but、um, just as we mentioned Lee Jung Jae,、um, we also have to mention how Squid Game, like. It shot up in popularity like crazy. And okay, so I looked into this. In July of 2022, they had 2.3 billion billion with a B hours、wow. streamed on Netflix. <gasps> oh my gosh! Isn't that、oh、insane? Oh my gosh! It's and、uh, mm-hmm. it's insane because I feel like wow, that's 2.3 billion of sedentary. Lifestyle, <laughs> and I feel like I feel like I contribute to a lot of that. I mean, I'm not I'm not ashamed about that. It gives me, a, you know what? I it gives me a lot of entertainment and it gives me a lot of culture. Like 
if I can explain K-dramas, yes, it is an entertainment factor. But for me, there's a lot of, you know, sociological positive mm-hmm. reasons why we watch it, right? Yeah. And I shared with you on just conversations we had, you know, just chatting. Yeah. For me, when we were young, because you said you were a newbie. You started in 2019, right? Yeah, yeah. I started I, I started K-dramas inadvertently when I was like five or six. So like 88, 89. Oh, wow. Right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. But that's because our parents are watching it and it's like we're watching it with them. So inadvertently, we're already like welcome to this world, you know? <laughs> when when Moreshige was on TV, I was in elementary school still. So I, I knew that melody when I was in elementary school for like wow. a long time. Right. And it's for me then, it's like entertainment for my parents. But for me, it's a bonding time with them. It's a time to be with them. Mm-hmm. Right. And then for them, for them, it keeps them connected to the country that they love. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Yeah. And finally, for me right now, Yes, I watch it for entertainment, but because, you know, my parents have since passed, like, I have less people to speak constant Korean with. So mm. it's a way for me to have the language in my ear. Yeah. So everyone, there's a lot of great reasons, apart from just entertainment, <laughs> that we can watch K-dramas. Exactly, exactly. And that's yeah. what I love about it. It's actually wholesome enough that a fa- mm-hmm. your family can watch it all together. Like, there's no right. blatant sex right. scenes. There's no blatant, like... Okay, first of all, with soap operas, I'm so sick and tired of this. Like, I'm going to mention Days of Our Lives because that's what I used to watch. Marlena? Oh, yeah! Same. Really, really? Okay, so, like, Marlena getting yeah. possessed by the freaking devil every, like... Or is it the demon? Every other episode, I'm just like, please die. Just please die. Oh, my God. That sounds vaguely familiar, but wow. Yeah. Is Days of Our Lives still going on? I don't think so. I can't remember. Oh. I didn't look into that, but um, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Just like, I, I was so sick and tired of like, this person cheating on this person, this person cheating on that person, this person cheated on their brother, or like, oh, like you know, it's just like, it's just, oh, it's, ugh. No, no, thank you. Yeah, I'm so tired of it. It's yeah. so boring. Um, but to also give some other stats on other really popular um, K dramas, I looked into All of Us Are Dead. I haven't watched mm-hmm. it. My niece has, mm-hmm. which I'm just like, you are 13. Mm-hmm. What the hell are you doing watching this? <laughs> but in 20 yeah. July 2022, they had 650 million hours watched. <gasps> which I'm just oh like, my wow. <laughs> yeah and then in comparison so this is not obviously a zombie or a violent um move uh show um but business proposal was the uh was i think the in the top eight and they had 279 million hours watch and that was in july 2022 as well wow yeah so amazing it's i mean but at the same time i don't it didn't tell me if this was i know squid game was global global right so i totally yeah. get that like the u.s just jumped on that shit like so quickly yeah. um business proposal it didn't tell me but i know they talked more about how it was more popular in asia not necessarily yeah. in the west so uh, it's interesting to see that but i was just wanted to ask so why do you think squid game was so popular in the west um that's an interesting point, and I didn't even consider that. But 
the way you juxtapose the three of them and the fact that they're on Netflix, this is how I can surmise. Mm. Squid Game, I think, you know, the desperation mm-hmm. of needing money, that's a global kind of phenomenon, right? Yep. Every country, there's a different kind of class system. So I think that's a more global relatable issue. Mm-hmm. Second, I know that you alluded to a lot of violence earlier in our chat. So mm-hmm. I think that's just, there's a weird like voyeuristic mm-hmm. component to violence. Mm-hmm. And I think that's that's a more, I mean, in Western stuff, there's a lot of explicit violence. And I yes. think that's something why audiences like, you know, related to that. Um, the, something about like bo- zombies and violence with the all of us are dead. I, mm-hmm. I think your niece probably watched it because the entire cast were kids. So it's like an adolescent <laughs> violent drama. Yeah. And then I guess business proposal. This is what I kind of took away from this juxtaposition. I think there's a lot of more lot more cultural nuances that nobody not nobody but like more koreans can relate to with business proposal Mm -hmm. and it looked and read and smelled more like a east asian Mm -hmm. um kind of kind of setting with Mm -hmm. the characters too and i believe it's even off of a webtoon it's based off of a webtoon Mm -hmm. yeah so that's what i can surmise Mm-hmm. When I see the three of them side by side, so that's probably why. For me, I watched a few episodes of Business Proposal and I was like, oh, okay, you know, it's kind of like bubblegum bubble poppy. And yeah. I didn't finish it because I didn't, it, it didn't take to me. It didn't tug at me. Mm-hmm. So that's mm-hmm. what I think. Yeah. Yeah. It's more, I would equate it with almost like Bridgerton in a way where it's just kind of mindless. Yeah. You don't really have to pay much attention to it. There's like sexual tension, of course, but there's like also the underlying um, class system that they have. Um, yeah. And so it's it was really interesting seeing that where I think like, especially for in business proposal, they were, there's also an a like underlying class system that they've also kind mm-hmm. of injected into it where, um So, like, just for everyone who's listening, Business Proposal was basically, um, so there's, like, a high-powered CEO, and he um, has to have, like, an arranged marriage, and so he's supposed to go on this blind date, and the girl that he was supposed to go on a blind date with just... Ugh, she's so sick and tired of going on these blind dates as well. So she actually gets her friend who's desperate for money. <laughs> um, she ha- it has her stand in her place. And so she says like, oh, no, you have to act crazy. So that really dissuades a guy from, you know, future dates. She does a really good job. But at the same time, there's like all these mishaps and miscommunications. And then it's just, it's cute, but it's just like, meh. It's it is yeah. like I said, it's Bridgerton. It's just kind of like mm, it's not. I don't know. There's not a lot of substance to it. It's just right, kind of right. <laughs> it's just nice and fun, right, mm-hmm. right. Some yeah. people love that in a K drama. Oh yeah, Some people oh, love it. Yeah, don't get me wrong. I love it too. So it's just, yeah, it's just. Um, but I thought like the t- two of the um, side characters, uh, Kim, uh, the the actors Kim Min Gyu and Solina. Their, their chemistry is just so on point, though. It's just, <laughs> oh, I'm just like, okay, where is my K-drama guy? Because, like, <laughs> he's not around. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, but, yeah. But I think, like, it's interesting because um, with K-dramas, um, sorry, with business proposal, I think it may not have been as popular in the West because I think 
with people not normally seeing Asians in romantic leads. Like, I know that we've had like Crazy Rich Asians and we've had like Always Be My Maybe on Netflix as well. It's popular now, but it's just still like, it's still in its, I feel like it's in its like newborn stage. It's still not truly there yet. I don't know how you feel about that. Well, I think, no, I think with the emergence of K-drama and its popularity, I think they are seeing that, right? Mm -hmm. I think Business Proposal was just like a one-off. It's like, not just one-off, but like, it's just not that genre that the entire world will like take to. But Mm. don't get me wrong, I think it had a lot of popularity, but it was just, you know, mainly based on East Asia. And I don't think it has anything to do with like the main leads and people not being used to it because Mm -hmm. come on. Descendant, descendants of the sun like two hot male leads a crush landing on you everybody loves that story oh I think yeah it was just yeah i think this is proposal it was just like a little too bubblegum poppy it's, mm, it, i don't true. think it, yeah that's yeah. true it was mm-hmm. just it's just very too light so i don't think people were ready to commit to something that like that for 16 episodes it's a bit too so, sweet for a lot of people. It, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah. But I do love, like, I think um, I'm really appreciative of movies such as, like, um, Parasite, Minari, um, The Farewell, Always Be My Maybe, cra- even Crazy Rich Asians. I think, like, that has really helped, especially since 2018. It really helped propel a lot of the, like, Asian like female and male leads as well and just like seeing them in something outside of just the traditional martial arts master kind of thing yeah (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. and I think and especially because like going back like Joy Luck Club as well that was like super cathartic I feel for Asians um it opened the door for Westerners but it took all those other movies to really keep the door open I feel yeah yeah so do you ever feel like, besides like outside of K-dramas, do you think like 2018, especially with the release of like Crazy Rich Asians, it helped create this benchmark for Asians saying that, you know, enough is enough. Like we're going to be the leads now kind of thing. Yeah. No, but I I am ambivalent about 2018 being the door being open because mm-hmm. I'm glad you brought up Joy Luck Club. I am because that happened. In the 90s, and I mm. think I was also in elementary school. I, was, I think I was nine or something when that came out. Mm. And I really want to give homage to that movie because they're the ones that opened it and they're the ones that gave eight strong women, you know, these images of strong leads, um, matriarchs, or, you know, eight strong women with eight different voices and eight stories. And I think they really kind of opened the door like in the newer kind of um, century. Mm-hmm. So I, I really want to say that, no, no, we really celebrate it. We celebrate representation. We um, celebrate the fact that, you know, Asians are kind of, you know, in the spotlight more now, but mm-hmm. I don't want to say like it just started now. I think they did, they really were a pivotal kind of movie. And mm-hmm. Wing Wang, Amy Tan, I think they did it. So I think it's almost as if they opened the door. It mm-hmm. was open, but then there was like another door behind that door. And I think mm-hmm. if I want to make some kind of like door analogy, I would <laughs> say that we they opened the door 
And then somehow there was another door. So we had kind of like a slow lag. And then now another door behind that door has opened. So I really want to pay homage to them. Oh, yeah, for sure. Like, yeah, Yeah. it definitely, it definitely opened the door for, I think, a lot of people. And thank you for Amy Tan. Thank you to Amy Tan for writing the book and then having it be made into a movie. And just like, I think like that really introduced like outside of just like the martial artists the dragon yeah. ladies the china dolls right. that really introduced it to westerners and just saying hey you know we're just people that's that's it right <laughs> so, right yeah yeah and then like and then there's like a 20 odd year lag and then oh, yeah I know. yeah that's the lag where i'm just like what you know what happened and i don't think it's lack of non-talent or asians were not writing mm. i think it's just there was a lot of bamboo ceiling and red tape that like we just couldn't break through but mm-hmm. you know we here now bitches and we are gonna be here and <laughs> we're here now, and now we're here to stay <laughs> yeah and now what are you doing paying 22 dollars a month um of your netflix subscription and all you're doing is streaming billions of hours of you know <laughs> Korean stuff so exactly here now yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah I also kind of wonder like if Squid Game um oh I also do want to say that this is not to say uh that there weren't any Asian movies being produced or Asian American movies being produced during that time lag it's right. just that it was focused more on like showing um for, it's, for instance like House of Flying Daggers Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon, like all those movies, it was still really all just more about the fighting. It wasn't actually like telling the Asian American story, which is what I was really, really pointing towards. Anyway, but I was also wondering like if Squid Game would have been as popular uh, because of the time it was released, because it was released in mid-September 2021. And I feel like people can kind of clearly see, and like you mentioned before, money the desperation for money is such a global issue and i think it really came to a head even more so during the pandemic because mm-hmm. people could clearly see because you're stuck at home you're on instagram you're on tiktok you're seeing all these things like you're seeing so much more and they could clearly see the distinction between the one percent and the rest of us who are working hard to just get by sometimes or not even right Right. Yeah, so I'm wondering if it would have been as popular if it had been released, say, like maybe in 2017 or something or 2018. Right. Yeah. I, that's an interesting point because I did see a, um, a lot of raw articles that kind of gave some backstory for the film. And I think the director or writer were shopping it around for a few years and it's been uh, rejected before you know yeah it's been rejected for several years before netflix finally like picked it up or something along those lines please Mm -hmm. don't quote me on this but (laughs) i i i would say you know that's kind of you know some kind of you know godly ordinance that you know the timing was so you know so apropos for the yeah apropos for the time Mm -hmm. for what it was so we gotta think it probably was the right time at the right place and the mm-hmm. right time for that film to be made so mm-hmm. I would say maybe not maybe not yeah 
but even just to talk about the social class obsession just on a global scale mm-hmm. as well and mm-hmm. and I thought it was really clever I really liked how Squid Game's outfits were designed as well where mm-hmm. they have that one person in black all black who's masked and you like they're in control of the entire game essentially and then there's the people in red with the square triangle and circles on their masks who are carrying out his orders essentially mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. taking care and even within them there's still their a hierarchy within all those different mm-hmm. shapes on their masks as well and then there's the people in green who have to play the game who don't have masks and they don't like they can see who the other people are just to want to make a point i haven't finished the whole series yet i'm one of the very oh. few who haven't finished watching it i know i know i know so you don't know the winner i don't know the winner i don't okay I don't. <laughs> but like i don't it's, it's totally fine if you spoil it i'm totally okay with it no no I, you need to watch it oh okay. wow mm-hmm. but that's so that's so important uh, that's so interesting that you point that out and thinking about the class system and stuff like that because it gives the viewer the information that people with money people with power can dictate so many things Mm -hmm. it's almost as if you're just like an animal that they can watch and like whenever they throw money at you they can make you like dance clown dance clown throwing money at you so it made me very sad and you know those like you know those three creepy westerners that like wanted to do weird stuff yeah yeah yeah. even that there are the international people with money and they just want to throw money and like make you do weird stuff like yeah oh my god so it just reveals to the audience people with money like think they can just like control and like make you do like whatever they want you to do mm-hmm. for their pleasure. Yeah. Oh, it's so weird. Yeah. And it's also just it, it really speaks to how people empower like just even people who own media outlets as well and they control yeah. they can control the narrative to whatever they prefer. And it's not yeah. just like it's so hard to find a neutral ground where it can talk about everything honestly versus just like right. just like a very obviously left or right like right. view of the situation. So, yeah. but I mean, like, why do you think society is so obsessed with social class? Like, I mean, this is not just like for K dramas or Koreans. It's just people in the West are also very, yeah. very obsessed with it as well. You know, I really don't know. But it's, I guess it's kind of, it's in that competitive spirit, that capitalist spirit. Mm. Somebody has to win. Somebody has to lose. Yeah. We we need to divide who's better and who's not. Mm-hmm. You know, all of that stuff wrapped up into why this biggest obsession with class systems, mm-hmm. which is why I, I love it when, um, you know, it gets kind of highlighted in entertainment forms like yeah. k-drama or like uh, other ways it because it's also while it is entertaining and you know it's fun to watch and fun to be revealed all of this it's a it's a social commentary if you will right totally yeah 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 so and it's, i think i really think yeah. like uh, what you mentioned before too where like even k-dramas are a sociological you can approach it with a sociological viewpoint too and yeah it really shows us so like where we quote unquote belong and yeah. i would say like um oh especially like during a lot of the period pieces in k-dramas like the from the choson era mm-hmm. okay first of all 
gorgeous outfits. I just, yes. oh my God. Oh, they're so beautiful. All the colors and the way that they styled yeah. them. Oh my God. It was so beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but then there's also like, so for instance, like K dramas such as The King's Con- Affection, where I remember watching it. I don't know. Have you seen that one? No, I have not. Oh, so yeah, that yeah. takes, yeah, that takes place during the Chosun era. And I would say oh. like, the social class distinction is very apparent there so for instance like uh there was one instance where the prince's uncle killed a slave girl and Mm -hmm. the prince forced the uncle to kneel in front of her grave and apologize to the dead girl so (laughs) the indignation of someone with royal blood who would have to do such a thing it was just it was comical but it was also really sad you know because he had zero respect for this person. He just dismissed her, thought she was more like an aunt and could easily kill her and get away with it. Um, but then the prince was just like, mm, yeah, no, we, we're not doing that. <laughs> so, uh, it was really and, I, I, and it's important that you um, brought up that thing about the kneeling because I don't know the exact of implications of that but i know that in a lot of situations koreans want you to feel so humiliated when you apologize and kind of atone for your transgression yeah so they make you kneel to you know to let you know mm-hmm. you did something wrong and you are beneath me so you need to get on your knees to ask for my forgiveness so all oh, that imagery like i could already feel the emotions <laughs> of that scene and i haven't even watched it but going back to that whole class thing, it's always about somebody needs to be beneath me. I need yeah. to let them know. And someone always has to win. So I think that's probably the obsession. And even back in the Chosun era. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. And I think like it's, it almost sometimes reminds me of high school in a way where there's mm-hmm. always like the really popular kids at the top. There's like the academic kids and there are the people who are just like in the middle that no one really cares about. And then there's like the people at the bottom who are constantly being bullied. And it's just, uh, it, it, yeah. So it's just really frustrating. Right. But right, I mean, like, right. and it even, like it even creates a caste system when it comes to careers as well so like lawyers doctors and engineers are like more lauded to be worthy than say an artist or someone who chooses a profession outside the norm as well right and sometimes I feel like what happened to working together (laughs) like Uh why can't we just get along like we all need like yes we do need lawyers yes we do need doctors yes we do need engineers and we do need those technical people who are very right who've studied for such a long time and got to where they've gotten and but at the same time we do also need art I mean you you embody this so perfectly too because you're a lawyer who also is an artist like how cool is that Oh, not really, but I, I totally get it. Yeah, I, I very much get it. And it's like been the struggle for me as a second generation Korean American. And um, I, I want to teach you this thing that they call it's like the Sa occupations. It's sa? a character. Sa. So sa. sa is a character and it's like parents want you to be a Sa occupation. So oh. Chun-ho-sa is an attorney. Oh. Yeah. Ui-sa is a doctor. Oh, okay. 
Paksa is a professor. So they're like, you need to be a ta occupation. Right? Yeah. And it's just so funny. And I would have to think it's probably because of a lot of kind of economic downfall that Korea might have had. And because of their fear of going back to that, I think that's why the fear is driving their obsession with so much money because they never want to be in that kind of economic state, both as, you know, individuals, but as a country as a whole. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it became, you know, Korea became very economically independent and developed, like, not as, you know, it, it hasn't been a while, mm-hmm. right, compared to other countries. And that's yeah. probably, you know, why, you know, they have this obsession with making a lot of money and being very economically comfortable. Mm-hmm. Which is interesting, because compared to the past, like academics, or even just like a doctor from the Choson era, they're just kind of like, Oh, what are you talking about? You're gonna be a doctor? No, 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 you should be doing something that will actually like, you need to sell things, you need to actually make money kind of thing. So it's right. interesting to see right. that evolution of that career that has become so lauded now and so worthy of just like attention. Yeah. Oh. Oh man, if you're if you're in Korea and you're a doctor, oh my god, wow. Like the praises of the family, the praises of the church ladies on Sunday. Oh man, that is like your bing golden ticket to like a lot of praise and acceptance, you know. <laughs> But you know, all these artists, I'm thinking about it right now and I'm a lawyer and all these artists that are on like TikTok and whatever, they make so much more money than lawyers. I kind of <laughs> want to tell my family, listen. I should have been a dancer. <laughs> I should have done something. You know, y'all have it wrong. <laughs> they're, they're always like, oh, my niece in America, I should be a lawyer. And I'm like, girl, I have so many bills to pay. Don't even, please stop telling the church ladies that I'm a lawyer because I ain't got none. <laughs> oh my gosh. Hey, you live in New York, which is one of the most expensive cities in the world. So, I mean. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but it's like, but I feel like um, sometimes I feel I'm just kind of shifting right now or like I found something that helped a lot of the modern K-drama social classes come together was kind of mm-hmm. like food. Food was something that, at least in some of the ones that I saw, food was something that oh. really brought people together. And yeah. even in business proposal, there's a scene where food actually connects the um, the rich Uh, the rich grandfather with the um, the girl that his grandson was dating who he didn't see as being worthy but she brought in really good food for him because he was in the hospital so he's kind of like you know I might reconsider kind of thing so it was really cute I thought that but I mean like okay first of all the food shots the food shots in k-dramas are just yeah on point oh my god i apologize for any moaning that you'll hear from now on whenever i'm talking about food but wow (laughs) oh my god wow it's just it's so incredible um and then it's weird because i find in a lot of the um, soap operas in the west they they don't really focus on their cast eating they're or they don't have amazing food shots they're in restaurants but they don't eat anything it's just like why bother why bother i'm sorry but no that that makes absolute sense because i never i can't even count on one hand if i saw like an american television show or sitcom where they were eating something and i was like oh i would love to eat that Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I I don't. 
The only thing would be like casseroles and mac and cheese because we're from a Korean family. And I, I always was like, what is a casserole? Yeah, yeah, me too. Yeah, oh my God. Is, is that good? I think that was, that was like the only thing that I ever wanted to eat. Like, what is a casserole? Yeah. It, is that delicious? But no, but I can, I can say definitively Korean food shots and k-dramas well like i want to eat everything like i actually want, yes. want to go to korea for like a, a week tour. or even a month yeah fruit tour fruit yes tour. yes yeah. yes I'll, I'll like i will join you. i'm just gonna crash your party be like i'm gonna join no, you no, for the food tour. <laughs> yeah. and it is it is interesting that you said that because food whether you're poor whether you're not whether there's a caste system or not it is so important in a family mm-hmm. despite all of that so it is a very you know universal language for us especially in you know k-dramas because food like while it is delicious and whatever it's like connecting people right mm-hmm. you you even gave that example of you know the rich guy in the hospital and someone who wasn't worthy but she brought him food and there was some weird connection right yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Food is a language in and of itself, and it's a love language. And mm-hmm. I think, you know, we use that as a vessel to explain things that we can't. I mean, you're from an Asian family. How mm-hmm. many times can you easily say, I love you, or say <laughs> what you really mean emotionally? But because we can't, we say it through food, right? Mm-hmm. So it is in that scene, I haven't seen it, but I'm sure it was a sign of like kind of respect or, you know, let me show you you know, what my, you know, inside what I'm feeling mm-hmm. because I can't really verbalize it. Yeah. Yes, exactly. Yeah, and so. I think you cap, you capture it so perfectly in your movie, Happy Cleaners, all yeah. the food shots in there were just, oh, legit. Oh, oh, oh my God. Oh my God. Yeah. So good. So, so good. I know. It, it's just, oh. oh, yes. And then it just really, I mean, exactly where, um, I don't know what it is and I don't know where it came from, but there must be some sort of general generational trauma where we can't say I love you easily to your parents or have them say it to you, but they can show it through here. Have you eaten yet? You look too thin. You look too fat. You look like, you know what I mean? It's just, yeah. that's how they show their love. Yeah. And you know what? If Even if they can't say it, you know it's felt like mm. when you go see your grandma let's say right when you first open the door and you see your grandma there what's the first thing that she asks you have you eaten did you exactly that's her way of like saying you know i love you mm-hmm. right and even in like our film like they don't they don't immediately say it but you know when there's like a kind of conflict the first thing they always say after the conflict is, have you eaten yet? Did you eat? Or go get your spoon and chopsticks, right? Yeah. Because let's be real. Hangry is a thing. Being yeah. hangry is a total thing. <laughs> yeah. And and you're not going to reconcile or feel the emotions if you're hangry. Exactly. exactly. But, but, going, but going back to the food thing, it's like how they show their love and their appreciation. So that's probably why it's a big part of, you know, a lot of Korean-related entertainment mm-hmm. and shows. Which is why yeah. I was so happy and grateful that you introduced me to Let's Eat. Because, oh, <gasps> <What>? wow. <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> the food shots in that are incredible incredible I could my yeah. mouth was my mouth was watering the entire time when it wasn't talking yeah. about like the plot line which really fell second to the food that they yeah <laughs> and for everybody watching let's eat one let's eat two and let's eat three I mean they're not the most like dynamic of storylines you don't watch it for the story and it wasn't really like the most like popular of like hey dramas but mm. If you are a foodie like Ev and I, you need to watch it just so you could get educated on food itself. And Ugh. like you said, the storyline was secondary, even tertiary. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> because because I love me some Yundujun, oh, the main character. So food, <laughs> Yundujun, and then, and then uh, whatever the, the storyline. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, but I think like, it's so interesting that food is so showcased because I know yeah. a lot of problems in Asia, they focus on body image as well, which is... Yeah. Like in a way, it is really nice to show people eating in yeah. these K dramas. Where yeah. I mean, it's pretty obvious that like a lot of the body image for Asian countries in general is just that the skinnier is the better. Yeah. Right. And so I I do like it when K dramas acknowledge this and how there's even in the series tomorrow. I don't know if you've seen that one, and they kind of talk about eating disorders and how there's one girl who's anorexic and complimented and even criticized for the way that she looks because she's so skinny. And then there's another who is slightly overweight. I mean, like, let's just call her like she's just a typical size that you can see on the street, and she's criticized as well. So it's just there's this like juxtaposition but at the same time it's always just like no 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 we need to actually talk about that it's like for uh, our mental uh, health as well yeah right? so yeah. I, I always find that interesting because every time no matter how skinny I am every time I go to see my aunt in Taiwan or something she's always like yeah you look very mm, <gasps> you look a lot wider than I remember <laughs> I'm like have you looked oh, in the mirror God. lately <laughs> Oh my god! Oh. Yeah, I don't know. I, it's their thing, and I'm glad you brought up that thing about bringing these eating disorders to the light. If you if you remember from Let's Eat Two, mm. and I'm actually surprised that I remember the storyline because you know of the yeah, <laughs> the ranking of the, the ranking. That, <laughs> you know that girl. I don't know if they did it intentionally, but you know that she has an eating disorder. Mm. Right? Because yeah. she would eat, 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 and then she would jump rope like several hours yeah. to combat what she All ate. She like ate. The yeah. Right. The first few episodes when she ate like that jajangmyeon and the mm. shark fin and soup and the yeah. Chinese. Right. And then she went to um, jump to rope at out. night for several hours. Mm -hmm. I don't know if the producers did that intentionally, knowing that that is an eating disorder and her behavior is like ED related mm -hmm. or. They just thought that was comical. But when I watched that, I was like in shock. Like, <gasps> me too. Me too. Yeah. Because that is a behavior of, uh, I would think, eating disorders, right? Oh, completely. It is, it is completely. Right. So it's just, and, and I remember like, especially because um, the story was that she ate tteokbokki because she liked the guy whose mom ran the tteokbokki shop or something like that. Yeah. I think. Yeah. Don't quote me on that. I, I could be no. wrong. It's, it's been a couple of years since I've seen the drama. But like, um, yeah. But yeah. And then just really, um, and afterwards she just, she gained weight and then she started really working hard to like 
the like to counterbalance that and then her way of doing that was just like through the control of making sure she always exercised as much as possible afterwards yeah and yeah yeah, I mean in a way like I find that interesting uh, which leads us into just like the whole mental health aspect of this podcast it's just like how do you feel that mental health and people with disabilities are portrayed in k-dramas well, I definitely see a progression. Mm. I definitely do. And that's whether they're introducing the topic itself, like our, what we just talked about in Let's Eat and the Eating Disorder, what yeah. you just said about um, the other drama, um, they are bringing it to light. I will say that and I do applaud that, right? Mm-hmm. Long, long time ago, I think, you know, art imitates life. That is not a misnomer. It is a very true statement. I yes. think long time ago, they showcased it in K-dramas in a way that it was very similar to, you know, how they were doing and dealing with it as a society. For example, I know that in the past, if you had like a child that had a mental disability mm-hmm. or kind of a mental health issue, they treated it as like a, <gasps> yes, that needs to, that needs to be covered. Yes. So much. You know, so much so that if there is like a couple siblings in a household, they would hide the one with a mental disorder or yes. mental disability. Right. And God forbid we say I have a mental health issue. Like, I, I think I told my family that I have a therapist. And mm-hmm. like, at first, they didn't take to that. They thought like, oh, my God, is it like an issue? Like, what's wrong? And it's like, no, like, <laughs> I wouldn't be a New Yorker if I didn't have a therapist. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I definitely, yeah, I definitely think it's progressing because it's changing the narrative of what I'm seeing and how it's being imitated, imitating what's going on in society. However, big however is, I'm not sure if sometimes they're doing as much research as I wish they would. Mm, Right. For example, like I, right, like I don't have like a mental health issue but I do see a therapist for you know things that I'm unashamed of what I have like you know I'm a woman I'm a New Yorker so you know depression you know things like that like I wish someone who can empathize with that you know other things I can't talk speak about but Mm -hmm. things about like you know mental health and having a therapist and the issues that I deal with I wish that sometimes they portrayed or study it more or do their due diligence Mm. right Yes. Another one, a, a recent one that I want to share is um, autism mm-hmm. and the recent K-drama Extraordinary Attorney uh, Wu. Mm-hmm. I was actually so happy that they brought, you know, that kind of, you know, structure into a K-drama and yes. that topic into a K-drama. And yeah. the leading the leading lady was someone who was on the autism spectrum. Mm-hmm. I don't know, and I'm not an authority to speak on that, but I do, you know, have, you know, friends who have um, kids or siblings with autism. And I do, I did wonder, was there a lot of due diligence done on this? Because Mm. I felt like, yeah, Mm -hmm. yeah. But that isn't to say, oh, wow, you know, I applauded that they're bringing it to light because these are real and people are real and people have these things and we can't hide it just because, you know, Koreans are scared of it or, you know. Yeah. Yeah. I I have to say that 
um, based off of some of the comments I read under YouTube. Okay, so I went down a bit of a rabbit hole. So like, yeah, with Extraordinary yeah. Attorney Wu, I was watching the cast playing Jenga. I was actually watching them play, just like asking each other <laughs> questions. And stuff. So I went down yeah. a bit of a deep dive a rabbit hole on YouTube with that. And it was really interesting because under the comments, I actually read a lot of stuff where people were happy with the way that they portrayed okay. people with autism. And they actually said Great. they actually did a good job of that because the mannerisms that they had they actually said it mimicked a lot of like either a family member a friend or someone they knew who was on the autism spectrum and I think they did a really good job of showcasing that and normalizing it I think that was the big thing and they were so happy like the comments were like oh my god we're so happy it's it's amazing and and I think the same even goes for one of the characters on It's Okay to Not Be Okay where Mm -hmm. Mm Oh Jung-se plays Mu Sang-tae and he's on the Mm -hmm. autism spectrum and they were saying oh my gosh this is like a realistic portrayal of someone on the autism spectrum so I think like holy crap okay Kate like it's so interesting how K-dramas actually were they actually did their due diligence they actually did do the research but I feel like sometimes in the West I feel like sometimes it's very surface level research and they yeah. kind of don't go deeper or even talk to someone who's on the autism spectrum or something like that. Right. And it's not always right. portrayed in the best light as well. Right. And I think like um, even what you said earlier, where a lot of people who have um, like someone who has a disability uh, there are the families like oh my god we need to hide them we need right. you know, we cannot bring shame to the family blah, 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 all that right. stuff and I'm just like no 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 we need they they live and they're they're like alive right now they need to be a part of society because right even like I think in previous times um, people with disabilities were seen as mystical like they because they actually could see things beyond what we could see because they right. were connected to the universe in a different way in that sense so especially like oracles um i think like a lot of the oracles from uh, greek mythology were also known for being like that so it's really interesting yeah and so it's really interesting to see how that stigma became it be how it became a stigma in the first place right even though they were so revered before because I mean the oracle is someone that you do not like you do not speak down to like they are revered it is amazing what of what they do because they predict they they talk about things that we can't see all right so right I don't know I thought it was really interesting I'm actually you know I'm so glad that like people took to that and thought that you know enough uh due diligence was done because I was only asking not you know, alluding to that they didn't. I was mm. just wondering, oh, I wonder if they did. Yeah. And um, yeah, and I think, you know, if people took to that, I think great. And I think if they did it justice, you know, that's wonderful too. Yeah. And um, another kind of like mental health issue, I thought this was so great and so portrayed well was uh, my new favorite is my liberation notes. It's on Netflix oh, right now. I heard about that. I haven't watched it. That's yeah. like also on my list. <laughs> yeah, I highly recommend it. And it's another slice of life K drama. It's nothing where there's like some dynamic story, but you feel like this dark gray cloud over these characters. Mm. And they just want to be liberated from their mundane kind of life and being feeling stuck. 
there is this one character who, oh, I felt that. I felt his um, mental health issues and the fact that I don't know if he's able to navigate through it. So there oh. is a scene, and I'm not revealing anything. Okay. And, no spoilers. When he said that, yeah, no spoilers. When he said something, I just was like, oh, I feel you, dude. I feel you. And I want to kind of talk talk to you, dude, like help you uh, find a therapist. I can give you some numbers. No, but yeah. he was basically, he had to drink every day. So there's oh, alcoholism wow. there, right? He had to drink every day. And then he finally explained why he had to drink every day. And he said, I need to drink every day to actually get to a level of some kind of like norm or sanity or something that, yeah. And then something about numbing some feelings or emotions Mm. or being able to ignore it. So there's depression right there, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. Depression, alcoholism. I'm sure he has some anxiety because he needs something to kind of like block another kind of traumatic experience or something like that. So for this character and i i'm actually glad that this character didn't find a resolve to that right mm. because it's not a switch where you can like wrap it up in the 16 episodes of a case drama right <laughs> 16 episodes that's it <laughs> right <laughs> and at the end i don't think he kind of found a resolve i think mm. he did stop drinking at some point but um yeah to drink to feel <sighs> something i just felt yeah, I just felt some kind of like darkness and I thought it was just great that they brought this to light. And mm. yeah, I, I'm so glad. That's amazing. I think it honestly, I feel if everyone had a therapist, the world would be a different place. Oh, oh sorry, <laughs> let me qualify that. A good therapist. <laughs> yeah. If everyone had yes. a good therapist, oh the world would be a different place. All I'm saying yeah. right now. Yeah. Uh, or yeah. if not, I think I think for I think for Asian Americans, maybe even to kind of explain or communicate, communicate, yes. please, yes, right, yeah, communicate those feelings or communicate how you're really feeling about that. Don't just accept something, yeah, and like just not not be shameful about some things. It's just what life is. It's just what your situation. But like, you know, accept and love who you are. Yes. Please, please. <laughs> yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah, it's so true. I um I I fully agree with you on that. Um and I just wanted yeah. to like go into our last topic, which was subverting. Oh, unless you had something else that you wanted to mention about mental health or no. anything. Um, no, 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 not yeah. Um, but yeah, so I wanted to move on to subverting tra- traditional roles and really portraying women in a different light and not the typical helpless female role where there's like, there's a lot of K-dramas who do have that character, but I feel like there's more, This is a, there's an emergence of a stronger female archetype too. And there, here's a couple that I noticed. Um, in Vin- Vincenzo, uh, there's like Hong Cha Young. Uh, she was also a badass lawyer. She reminded me of you, where she was just like <laughs> not taking anyone's bullshit, and she like just kind of go ahead and did her thing. Um, even just like in Extraordinary Attorney Wu as well, where like there are, um, even though she's someone with a disability um, or she's on the autism spectrum, I still think Wu Yang Wu does a good job of still standing up, even though like she's obviously trying to understand our world versus her own world. And then um, there's the other attorney in the 
Choi Suyeon. I'm butchering names. I'm so sorry. <laughs> <laughs> and like, there's it's okay to not be okay, which has Komunyon, um, where she was just this lawyer. She has like an antisocial, uh, uh, like uh, yeah, an antisocial. Uh, disability and mm -hmm. so it was really interesting to see her attitude and there's like so yeah. many other ones too and I'm sure you could continue naming off a ton of like rattle off a ton yeah. of lists. but like we'll yeah. give you a list in like the show notes don't worry <laughs> kind of yes thing. yes <laughs> um but do you know like what are some k-dramas where you find like the female archetype is different from what you expect um I think you listed a good number and um I think those are very great examples. And I love this because we're continuing that topic of, you know, Korea is really changing and being progressive from what it was, you know, used to be. So mm -hmm. like going back to the mental health issues they're bringing into light. And then now, like they're saying, like what women used to be is not anymore. And I really <laughs> love that. And I really love that you're highlighting it. Um, I'll try to go away from like the lawyers and the strong lawyers. Um <laughs> There's another strong female. I want to um, give a shout out to Kimesu. She's also a badass uh, female actress that's been um, decorated for so many decades. She's an amazing actress. Um, she plays a judge on Juvenile. Um, yeah, this is a good one because it's um, she does a lot of adjudication for you know child. Uh, domestic violence and child related uh, juvenile cases and she's a judge for it and she's really badass and she really hates juvenile delinquents so she really wants to put them every you know every single one of them in jail Whoa. or give them some kind of yeah punitive punishment i'm um, punitive yeah so she's one um all the you know characters that you um spoke of they're all um, korean female we need to go back to the first one that you introduced this uh, episode to hotel de luna mm -hmm. right she is one badass kind oh. of like boss lady yes right? they all you know go from the traditional roles to these like badass women and i really love that because you know it's bringing to light that no like women you know once in a society where their value was not revered as highly mm -hmm. you know now they're the bosses they're yeah. telling men what to do. They're dictating to men, no, this is where I am. This is where I should be. Mm -hmm. Another recent one, um, I just finished it, The Fiery Priest. That is amazing. Oh. And there's, yeah, there's like a female cop. She's so badass. There's a female nun, but she used to be, a, you know, a, a hustler and a really good ghost up player. And then there's a prosecutor. So these are all, I love you know, it. Yeah, it's all very real. And I think they're just trying to give a social commentary that, no, these are kind of the images of women that we should start getting used to because mm -hmm. they're here and they're here to stay. So, you know, don't mess with these women, especially these Asian women. They'll, you know, they'll come after you. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think what I really like about it is that they show how these women aren't perfect as well as well yeah. it's just that they yeah. are real people i mean they may have a tough exterior but they also have heart as well and they act or they grow within that um 16 episode period kind of thing and they're, <laughs> but <laughs> well i mean like that's how the writers created but it's just like but they're willing yeah. to take to do what it takes to get things done as well right i think like there's even like in i finished um itaewon class 
um, uh-huh. recently. And there was also like the really strong a female character in there as well, who is like, yeah. um, she's like a marketing specialist. And so she helped really catapult the restaurant into popularity kind yeah. of thing. Um, but if if I make if I may make a criticism, oh uh, please please, she did that for she did that for a guy. So yes, I, don't I, know. Know. I know, I know, I know. Kind of... <laughs> there was that other side to it, <laughs> right? Right. I mean, like, let's all be real. Like, I loved it too, and she was pretty badass and very smart or whatever. But in the end, she did it for a guy. Let's yes. just you know call a spade a spade. <laughs> This is very true. Um, yeah, yeah, don't do it for a guy. Do it for yourself. Exactly. <laughs> There's a lesson exactly. that's here. <laughs> exactly. Um, yeah. So I think like, but it's really interesting because I mean, besides portraying women in a different light, but they also portray men in a different light as well, where they show guys who are more in touch with their emotions in like which is what a lot of women want and which is what society needs as well. We can't have these like manly men, machismo bullshit, like this, like, I don't even want to mention his name, but that guy who's been like spewing bullshit rhetoric when really he is a sub people. He is a sub. If you don't know who I'm talking about, I'm talking about Andrew Tate, but he's just, ugh. But anyways, he, he the way he talks, the way he acts is just basically he just wants someone to fucking step on his neck. That's just it. So if anyone wants to step up to him to step on his neck, just like just so that he can have his own release, feel free. OK, but oh. just say, let's move on from there. Yeah, <laughs> I think I think like um, but it's really good to show these guys in that sort of light where they're willing to actually be more communicative and they're willing to actually be in touch with their emotions. I'm not saying all of them are. I'm saying there are just some that are just like the way that they're written. It just shows such a nice evolution from who they were and to like how they've grown throughout the episode, which is like a really nice fantasy I feel, but it's a bit dangerous to showcase because honestly, I feel women or people in general will expect them in real life to be like that mm-hmm. when a lot of guys yeah. haven't worked on themselves and women are, are people will expect these people these sorts of fantasy guys to show up and it's a bit like Shakespearean in a way with all the miscommunications and mishaps and comedic timings but and I'm only quoting Shakespeare because there is I don't know any other Asian equivalent at this point because I have I've been, <laughs> I've been so whitewashed anyway <laughs> so yeah. Uh, well, how do you feel like a lot of the portrayal for men are in K-dramas? Oh, again, going back to, I think there's like this underlying kind of theme that revealed itself while we were talking. It's a lot of progression and a lot of kind of accepting the new and it's 2022. So I feel like they're doing a great job in providing us a great social commentary about these changes. Mm-hmm. Uh, the woman's role, you know, yes. They're not like that, you know, subservient woman. And even in my mom's generation, it was like almost expected, the, you know, the wife has to make sure the breakfast is made, the rice cooker is full yeah. of rice and blah, 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 blah. But now, you know, seeing these badass women, another thing that I did notice about the change in, you know, the portrayal of men is I've seen men being home takers. I mean, you know, homemakers. Yeah. Or they're the ones kind of, you know, taking care of home and ch- children. So mm-hmm. I really love that because um, there's a um, 
there's a word that Koreans use now, career woman. Oh, that's just the, that's just the phonetic pronunciation of career woman. <laughs> and I re- I really love that because even when I was a kid and knowing that you know these traditional women's roles like. You know, I did. I was told, you know, you're the girl. You have mm. to clean up, or you're the girl. You have to like tend to your brother or whatever. Yeah. Like even then, in my mind as a kid, I was like, oh hell no, I am not going to do that. I'm going to be a career woman. Love it. The fact that yeah, the fact that I see that now, I'm just like, oh, like everyone's watching these dramas. I wonder what the young females are thinking when they see a career woman on screen. <laughs> Mm. so i i really love that because now they're just like i don't need to get married or whatever i want to be like attorney woo or i want to be like hong chayang and vincenzo or i yeah. want to be like the judge and juvenile like these are some strong women that i i think this is only just positive and mm-hmm. for men i don't think i actually don't think it's any kind of emasculation if the man is the you know homemaker or is making food for the kids or whatever i actually think that's also a great portrayal saying yes you need to be sharing those tasks at home yes no fully you need to be you need to be making your wife a bowl of rice and soup if she had a long day as a cardio woman <laughs> right yes yes, so yes exactly Right. So I I love, yeah, I love that portrayal. And yeah, I think more men are being progressive. Although may I tell you like this kind of theory that I think holds true. Okay. Korean dramas, they show a lot of Korean men in Korea, like right now in the 2022 and 2020s. And I actually think, and just, you know, having dated a few that are just recently from Korea, Mm -hmm. I think they're more I think they're more progressive and accepting of Korea woman or like that kind of, you know, responsibility as a guy. Mm. And this is my theory. Korean Americans, they are products of our parents that immigrated from Korea to America, but that happened in the 60s and 70s. Mm-hmm. So, so what our parents brought was the culture and the mindset and the psyche of the 60s and 70s of Korea, mm. all those traditional roles. So right. they are now passing that to their children inadvertently or even like purposely, mm-hmm. right? So like when I was a kid, when I was told, but you're the girl, mm-hmm. that that's their training and then they're telling their training to me. So yeah. I almost, I almost kind of, you know, want to infer very strongly that Korean Americans that were born in America are actually a little bit more traditional and expect those things from women than Koreans now that come to America that are living in Korea of the recent. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Cause I, I, if I want to use like Korean Americans and even my brother or people I know, a lot of them have like these traditional expectations, like a wife should cook and clean yeah, they they might not say say it openly, but I know they're kind of like feeling that, you know, and taking taking my name and things like that, and it's like, what? yeah, <laughs> wow, but, but all of that, yeah, that's a really good point. I really like how you highlighted that because I didn't even think about what it was in terms of like the first generation or if yeah. it's just like someone who actually recently came over as well, yeah. Granted, like I have not dated a lot of people from like who just came over recently either. Mm-hmm, so mm-hmm, I think mm-hmm. I haven't really been exposed to that, but I would like note I am open to it. 
<laughs> like I'm yeah. open, to, I'm open <laughs> to dating people who are just coming over. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Oh, that's such a, I like how this is a really nice way to wrap it up as well. Yeah. And I also wanted to like ask you one last question or yeah. two actually, two questions, which is what K-dramas would you recommend for anyone who's just starting out? Who's just, you know, like dipping their toe into this genre? Oh, wow. Or or someone, or what would you recommend for someone who's looking for something a little different? Wow. That is a very great question. You know, I I almost never recommend something that's going on now because mm. I feel like it's too fresh. It's too mm. fresh in the game. You need to see you need to see some kind of history. You need to see some kind of mistake. So I do want to cringe when I say this, but I do want to recommend Boys Over Flowers. Oh yes. Yeah. Yes. That was actually a cult classic. So Boys Over Flowers and The Heirs or The Inheritors, mm -hmm. they're kind of very similar. But like, if you want to see like, like a quintessential K-drama, I would um, recommend that. But I I really like the crime ones or Slice <gasps> of yes. Life ones. Yes. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So if you are into that and that's how you want to intro it, I would highly, 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 highly recommend Signal. Mm. Um, oh yes mm -hmm. you recommended that to yeah. me before too i really liked it yeah and and then like just like just about life mm -hmm. it's um my my mister oh i haven't heard that one i was so surprised at how much i liked it because i was just like what is this story i'm still not getting it because i read the synopsis on Netflix and come on that's like very very like insufficient synopsis it's it doesn't tell you not anything, good right <laughs> I even Googled it because I was just like, because come on, it's a commitment if you start one because it's 16 <laughs> episodes and it's like by the time you get to episode four, you're like, you know, I just have to finish it. Yeah, yeah. I can't just stop it. Right. <laughs> Unless it's really, really bad. So because because of that, I had to do my research before I even started episode one. But I Respect. Googled it and I was like, yeah, I was like, you know what? Okay, fine. I also like IU. I think she's a great actress. Yes. And the guy the guy from Parasite, the father from Parasite, he's in it. Oh, okay. Yeah. Mm. So then I said, you know what? Let me all go, you know, let me just dive in. Wow. That one, people don't highlight it as much, but oh my God, that one is so good. Oh, okay. Yeah, my investor. I'll people check it out. Not hot yeah. So I think that's like a um very kind of solemn there's a lot of solemn you know the cinematography is very like kind of gray but i think that's a good intro i mean i think so mm. and also um any of the reply series any of the reply series oh okay okay i thought you were gonna recommend someone go really far back and just say like watch hourglass because you if you oh. really want to like get historical with lee yeah. jung jay like ljj you go yeah. back to the him <laughs> But that is like 30 episodes deep, right? That's so, true. That's true. So that's yeah. a true commitment. So only dip into that when you've actually watched a few. <laughs> okay, draw, yeah, other okay, yeah draw, I actually first. agree. And then yeah. dip into that. It, yeah. Yeah. I think like I would definitely, I, I if you're into sci-fi and just kind of fantas fantastical, I would recommend like um, Hotel de Luna. I thought that was like really interesting. And then also mm. just like, 
um, Mystic Pop-Up Bar as well. I really liked some of the characters from there and just like seeing the different people that came through. And I mean, they, this will tie into future episodes about K-dramas as well. So if you're interested, stay tuned we are going to Ooh. have a part two because it talks about <laughs> revenge and grudges so oh <laughs> right right yeah, yeah. Yep. <laughs> so that's definitely something that I would recommend but is there anything that we didn't or that we kind of missed or something that you want to bring up before we finish up I did give like a k-drama presentation to people at work nice and I I do want to highlight you know people are not Korean they did ask well it's not in my language how am I going to understand the nuances and blah 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 and I do have to quote famous director Bong Joon-ho Oscar-winning director Bong Joon-ho of Parasite if you are willing to go over that hump of that one inch subtitling you can be open to a whole new world of different stories different um forms of entertainment different movies and films I must highly 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 agree with that mm-hmm. and Ev you're my friend you're not Korean and you watch these and we can talk about it on a regular like like another language and why is that because you made that commitment to read the subtitles right yes yeah so then I just want to say like what it's not that hard to read subtitles come on you know and no. me as a korean i have subtitles on too because there are some like kind of nuances that i don't catch but sometimes i do read the subtitles and i'm like mm, that's not what they said but <laughs> you know even yeah. even in american stuff i read the subtitles because you know as a writer i just want to see what the writing is like so i do exactly. read the subtitles yeah, right? because sometimes the, the I do too. Yeah, I totally yeah. have the captions on because sometimes like the actors just mumble. I'm like, what did what yeah. did they say? Oh my god. Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. But Very true. It's also it's also to capture like what what's in the writing, and I want to see writing. I mm-hmm. want to see words. You know, as a writer, you you write, so yes. I want to see words. Yes. So if if you could get over that hum, it's just one small minor task. Like you would be open to a. Oh, entire world of amazing stories oh my yes. god and they finish they finish in 16 episodes versus I know. like 16 like seasons <laughs> i know which i think is just like the good amount yep just the right amount it's not too long it's not too short sometimes i feel it's too short because i'm like well, i want more i know i know i know <laughs> Yeah. Oh, but it's so true. I mean, actually, like I'm trying to learn Korean, so I don't have to always. Have... <gasps> yes. Yes. Oh my back. god. <laughs> oh my god. Wow. This is, everybody. This is what like great journalism, podcasting. <laughs> you do your research, but also you are committed to something. Oh, kudos to you, Em. God. Oh, come <laughs> on, oh my god oh my god uh yeah but i like honestly like the it's also i i think korean is a really beautiful language too and so i think and the way that they have it's the nuances that it captures i think is just so important and english can't even compare yeah it cannot i'm sorry just it english is too limited for that yeah so it's just it's not there is a there is a poeticness to it and there's a beauty to it and that's why I want to learn Korean because so I can mm. truly understand how they just can like how they say things and just instead of just have it be so like not robotic but just you know simplistic right. I guess is right. the way to go about it 
Yeah. Uh, but honestly, huge, huge, huge thank you to Kat for joining oh. me and doing a deep dive into K-dramas. I mean, not just surface level people. This is like some deep sociological. Yes. <laughs> into all these stories. And they really are just stories. And I love how these stories are being told right now. And you think it's just going to be mindless, but it's not like reality TV. But there are deeper messages hidden behind these shows. And that's mm-hmm. what I love about them. So yeah. I invite Kat, if you have any shameless plugs, please go ahead. Yes, I am working on something and it's in the, it's progressing. I will tell Ev all about it so that I can share and then talk about it again on Popsara. <gasps> Yay! Oh my gosh. When you do release it, whatever it is, oh my God, I know it's going to be amazing. So I cannot oh, wait to talk to you about it then. Yeah. Oh my God, I'm so happy. <laughs> thank oh. you. Thank you so much for inviting me. And um, yeah, I really, you know, respect what you guys do. And I really love Popsara and please invite me anytime. <gasps> We would be more than happy and honored to have you on the Popstar podcast again. And so, I mean, we'll, you'll definitely be coming back because there's going to be a part two to this series. So, like, we didn't talk about a lot of stuff. I can do part 16, like a K-drama, uh, K-drama, <laughs> 16 episodes. We can do part 16. I'm yeah, always down. Oh, hell yeah. Because we're going to be covering revenge and, revenge and grudges, family values, obsession with education, and uh-huh. most of all, chibbles oh yes so come on back you guys so thank you so much for listening i hope you enjoyed this time with us and we'll actually give some of the k-dramas that we mentioned uh, a look so you'll have a whole new world to explore on netflix especially if you're getting bored of all that other stuff right so yeah (laughs) (laughs) thank you so much and we will see you next time Bye. Bye. You've been listening to the Popzara podcast. For more quality original content, check out popzara.com for the latest reviews and previews in gaming, movies, tech, and more.